The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm your host, Bobby Williams. You know the drill. Subscribe to the show, leave us a review, tell a friend. On last week's episode, we spoke with Jermaine, aka Tall Cop, about fentanyl. If you haven't yet, check that episode out. I thought it important that we follow up with a clinical perspective about addiction. So I connected with Richard Capriola. Richard has worked in treatment facilities. He is an addiction specialist and author of the book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. We spoke about changing trends, steps you can take as a parent to give support, and root causes behind addiction. It's always a good conversation talking with Richard. You're going to get a lot from this. I always do. Check it out. The use of prescribed medicine for ADHD, prescribed medicine, uh, rose significantly in 2022. Uh, The percentage of high school seniors, for example, who had been using these drugs with a doctor's prescription, increased from 11% in 2021 to 15% in 2022. And I think what happened was during the pandemic year, when these kids were at home, parents began to notice more and more that their child might have an attention deficit disorder. They were having problems with their attention, and they went to to get medical help for that. And the kids were, were diagnosed probably for the first time as having ADHD and put on the prescribed medication. So I think that goes a long way towards why we see an increase in the prescribed use of medicine for ADHD. I was talking with Jermaine, aka Tall Cop, on the show last week, and we were talking about fentanyl. And it seems yeah. like we hear a lot about fentanyl, whereas two years ago, I didn't, I couldn't even tell you what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a treatment provider, are you seeing that as a bigger issue? Well, I'm not seeing it among the adolescent population. It is not one of the drugs that teenagers are attracted to or are using uh, to, to any great uh, to any great extent. However, there's been an increase in overdose deaths due to using fentanyl, especially among the adult population. And Dr. Nora Volkow, who is the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, makes a very good point. And she said that it is absolutely crucial that we educate young people that the pills that they can purchase on social media or that are given to them by by a friend or obtained from an unknown source may contain deadly fentanyl. So I think we just need to educate kids, teenagers, that they need to be very careful that some of these drugs that they can get a hold of from an unknown source or over the internet or social media, uh, unfortunately, can contain fentanyl. Yeah. 
I guess that's how a lot of overdoses are happening. Uh, yeah, among among the adult population, yes, the, the 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 death rate because of fentanyl overdoses is getting more and more of a crisis situation. Um, adolescents aren't attracted to it, but the but the danger is that it might be laced with another drug that they're taking and they're not even aware of it. Mm. Yeah, fentanyl is definitely not like a cool drug for young people. No. Um, Makes- Most of them would probably say, I don't want anything to do with it. But unfortunately, if it's laced with some other drug that they're attracted to, they could inadvertently take it and overdose on it, not even knowing that it was there. Hmm. Something I gather from working around a lot of young people and young people who've had challenging lives is that marijuana addiction can be pretty prevalent. And there's sort of an innocent attitude around it a lot of yeah. the time. I, I think there is a perception, uh, perhaps fueled by so many states making it legal for adults, that because it's legal, it, it can't be harmful. Um, the problem with that line of thinking is, you know, the, the neuroscience, the brain. Um, you know, adults' brains are fully developed by age 24 or 25. So the adolescent brain is in the process of developing some critical um, areas that the, that that child will need later in adulthood. And anytime we we put a drug into a developing brain, we run the risk of doing some damage. But but unfortunately, many kids have the idea that, well, it's just marijuana. It's legal in my state or it's legal in other states. So how harmful can it be? Not understanding that for an adolescent brain, it can be very harmful because their brain is in the process of maturing and developing, whereas the adult brain is fully developed by around age 24, 25. So there's a big difference when it comes to the neuroscience. I feel like you can tell a child that, and they may even know that, but they're so impulsive that it, it like doesn't matter to them or something. Well, in a way, it, it can matter to them because what I have found, Bobby, is that in talking to teenagers that I was treating when I was working at Menninger Clinic, it, it didn't do me any good to tell them the drugs were illegal or that, you know, if they kept using their grades might go down and they might not graduate or they might not get a job or get into college because they didn't they didn't believe any of that. But when I switched and I talked to them about the neuroscience, that seemed to capture their attention. They were they were curious about that. They wanted to know how their brain worked. So, you know, combining a neuroscience approach, how the brain works, how important it is, the fact that the brain your brain is developing as a teenager, that was important to them. And then I would talk to them about what marijuana does to the brain. And for some kids, it made a difference. I wonder how parents could duplicate that because, you know, you're very educated in this, but the average parent won't have that same information. I wonder if there's this like play on a YouTube video or something. Um, Get a copy of my book. Um, there there you know, we go. Yeah. Get a, get a copy of my book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Because in my book, I talk in one chapter about the neuroscience and how the brain is developing and not maturing until age 24, 25. And I have a ch- I have two charts in that chapter. One shows the different areas of the brain and what they do. And another chart shows where marijuana attaches itself to the brain. And that's a chart that I used with, with teenagers 
teenagers and I would show them that chart and they would look at it and they would see where is marijuana attaching itself to in the brain. And then they could understand, well, that's why maybe my short-term memory isn't as good as I want it to be. Maybe that's why my motivation sucks and, and is not good. They could see it for themselves. So my advice to parents is get a copy of this book. There's a chapter on neuroscience. There's chapters on warning signs and, and much more. And just learn as much as you can about this. It's not going to take you long to read my book. It's only about 100 pages. The Addicted Child by Richard Capoa. Yes, it's called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. When your child is messing up, it can be very frustrating as a parent, or yes. it's like you're taking the money I'm giving you and using it for drugs. And that's just, it's very frustrating. But then I imagine you don't want to come to your child feeling frustrated, or do you? I think it's okay that that your child sees that you're frustrated. I think it's 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 good that they see how you know it's affecting you and 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 share with them how you're feeling about it. If you feel scared for them, talk to them about feeling scared. If if you feel like you might lose them to a drug, share that with them. Tell them how frightening that is for you. You know, I think as parents, sometimes we want to keep our feelings away from these kids, even the ones we're afraid of. But I think it's important to just be honest with them and 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 talk to them about how what we're seeing affects us as a parent. It's okay to tell them we're scared. It's okay to tell them that, you know, we're we're really frightened and we worry about them. It's okay for them for them to see that we're vulnerable. Is it okay to be like I am very mad about this? Yes, it's also yeah, because that's an emotion too. And 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 to and to tell them, you know, that 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 this you know, frightens you, that it makes you feel angry. Uh, I, I think you're just being honest and sharing your feelings with them. Now, maybe they'll care, maybe they won't, but at least, you know, you, you'll be getting it out and you'll be having an honest uh, discussion with them. What's tough about teenagers is you can't control them 100% of the time. So what steps can you take? If they if you feel like your child's developing a substance use problem, what can you do? I I I say the first thing you do is have a discussion with your child about what what you're feeling and and what you're thinking and and by that I mean don't accuse the child, don't threaten the child, don't punish the child. Come at it with an inquiring point of view. You know, I'm concerned that you might be using such and such drug. Can you help me understand why I'm concerned? I sense that this is going on. Can you help me understand why I'm feeling this way? Now, you know, the child might be receptive to that and they might not. Um, but but regardless of how those first conversations go, where you're sharing how you're feeling about what you're observing or you're, you're sharing your fears, uh, if you're still concerned, then you need to get the assessments done that I recommend in my book so that you can get an, a, a professional evaluation, uh, a diagnosis if it's appropriate, and treatment options if, if they're needed. You need to rely on the professionals to guide you through this process. So addiction can be sort of a spectrum, and treatment options are a spectrum too. So on one end, there's full inpatient rehab. What's like 
the the other side of that, the beginning, you know, before it gets that bad. You're absolutely right. Every child's different. Uh, every diagnosis is different and every treatment plan is different. And there is no one plan for every child. Some Some teenagers will do very well in outpatient treatment where they might see somebody once or twice a week. Uh, other kids would do very well in what we call an intensive outpatient treatment where they see somebody maybe two, three, four times a week. And then for some kids whose substance abuse and mental health issues are so severe, those kids will do very well in what is known as a residential treatment program, where they will be sent to a residential program for a period of three months or longer. That's generally the case where you have a child that has a very severe substance abuse issue and a very serious underlying mental health issue, maybe schizophrenia, depression, uh, anxiety, whatever. And those two things, the substance use and the, the mental health issue are so severe that that child is probably going to do better in a longer term residential program. But for a lot of kids, they'll do very well in an outpatient program. Say a child is smoking weed or drinking once a month, and that's about you know, how how big of a issue it is. Is that the start of a problem? Is that okay? Because that's different than using substances every day. It is different. Um, but um, it's there's always the risk that it could escalate. So you don't want to tolerate it. Uh, you don't want to say, well, you know, if you're just drinking once a month, it's okay. Uh, or if you're just smoking marijuana once a week, it's okay. Uh, because it, it always runs the risk that uh, it will escalate uh, very quickly and be beyond your control. Um, the other thing that some parents will say is, I, I, I don't care if my child drinks but they have to do it at home. I don't want them drinking away from home. And while that may seem to some people to be reasonable, what the research shows is that kids who come from that environment where their parents have told them it's okay to drink at home, when they leave home and go to college, for example, they actually, they end up drinking even more than kids who came from an environment that prohibited altogether. So uh, any any tolerance of alcohol or drug use uh, 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 on the part of an adolescent runs the risk of, of escalating and getting out of control. Maybe not right away, but it could gradually build up over time. And then you've got yourself a situation where you're dealing with a crisis. That's very counter to a lot of information I heard growing up where it'd be like, let your child drink a little. That way, when they get to college, they're more experienced with it and don't go <laughs> wild. But So it sounds like that's not the case, though. That's not what research is telling us happens, no. Hmm. I feel like a real key to helping prevent substance use is for a youth to have an activity that they enjoy, that they're passionate about. Like a, a child who's doing the basketball practice five days a week is probably not the child that's using substances every day. Uh, am I right in that? Well, it could be, um, but but there's no question that you know uh, boredom leads to some some use. And you want to keep your kids engaged uh, in sports or extracurricular activities. You want them to be active. You want them to be with a good peer group. Um, but, yeah, you know, 
I think boredom, not having anything to do, is probably more of a risk factor than 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 what we know. What are some other risk factors parents should be looking out for? Uh, any type of uh, if there's a genetic predisposition to uh, any substance use uh, that puts the child at risk. Um, if the child um, has um, any type of an emotional issue, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression, maybe it's trauma, maybe it's uh, having experienced bullying at school that the parent might not know about. Um, those all place a child at, at, at higher risk. Um, addiction is a combination between genetics and environmental factors. So it takes more than genetics. You might have a predisposition in your in your genetic background to say drink alcohol uh, or you or use a substance, but that doesn't mean you're going to. Usually it's the environmental factors that come along that push a child into a, a substance use. Uh, you know, a lot of the kids that I treated for example, when I asked them why they were smoking so much marijuana and these kids were smoking multiple, multiple times a day, the answer that came back was it helps me with my anxiety. So a lot of these kids, not all, but a lot of these kids are using a substance like marijuana or perhaps alcohol to medicate an underlying psychological issue that that unfortunately never gets diagnosed. So the child's using it to medicate themselves. Can you teach coping tools or anything? I mean, I guess it's not as simple as just take some deep breaths. Well, you know, I've worked with a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers, and yes, coping skills can be very effective. Um, they can they can help with anxiety. They can help with uh, a lot of other issues. Uh, the problem with teenagers that I found is that they learn they they can learn the skill. Uh, they can even try it out, but they don't stick with it. You know, you've got to use the skill for it to work. And many times these skills don't work right away. For example, deep breathing. Um, you know, there's a way in which you can teach somebody to do deep breathing ex exercises that if they do them correctly and if they do them long enough will help reduce their anxiety. But teenagers are very impatient. They want instant gratification. So they're not prone to using these exercises, learning how to do them, and then practicing them over a period of time until they work. They want, they want relief right away. There's probably a parent out there listening to this right now where they're concerned about their child's substance use. What's your, your message to that parent? My message to that parent is um, learn as much as you can about it. Don't be afraid of, of this topic. It's a scary topic, but don't become paranoid about it. Don't run away from it. Knowledge is power. Learn as much as you can about it. And again, I recommend get a copy of my book. It's only 100 pages, but you'll learn the warning signs. You'll learn about how drugs work in the brain. You'll, you'll learn warning signs on how to recognize if a child is developing an eating disorder or self-harming themselves, because sometimes those accompany a child using a substance. And you'll learn what assessments need to, to, to be made if, if you think your child is using a substance. And all of that, Bobby, just comes down to one very simple thing. As a parent, you will feel more, I hope you will feel more confident 
that you will feel empowered if you have this information. You know, knowledge is power. So as a parent, we want to feel as if we're prepared. This is a scary topic. You know, sometimes as parents, we want to stay away from it. We, we don't want to think about it. We, we, we think it can never happen to our kid. But I think you can feel better if you feel prepared to deal with this if you have to. You hope you never do, but you want to feel prepared to deal with it and know what to do in the case in, in the event that you have to. Richard, it's always great to connect and talk with you and just thanks for being here. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate you talking with me again. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us, Richard. HelpTheAddictedChild.com. That is Richard's website. Go to it. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.